Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm your host today, Aaron Schlein from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Sacramento District. Today's episode of Inside the Castle is the first in a series focused on career development within the Army Corps of Engineers. The goal for this series is simple, to help connect our USACE teammates with proven skills and strategies to move their careers and the nation forward. Our guests for the series are selected because they clearly demonstrate expertise in a relevant subject area and are able to communicate actionable advice for listeners who wish to develop and excel in that area. Our first topic is one that isn't discussed often enough, and I certainly haven't seen any prospect courses on it. The topic is professional networking, which I like to describe as the art and science of connecting with people, developing relationships, and actively working to make sure that the right people know who you are and how you can contribute to the mission. My intention for this episode is to help illustrate for my USACE colleagues at all stages of their careers the value of professional networking and how making connections with intention can not only accelerate your career, but take you to places that you may not have thought possible. Our guest today is Jesse Morrill Winter with the Flood Risk Management Planning Center of Expertise, also known by its much cooler acronym, the FRMPCX. Jesse is passionate about flood risk management and helping the Corps of Engineers move towards a holistic, risk-informed approach to improving public safety. Jesse is originally from New Hampshire and started his career at the New England District as a student while studying at Suffolk University. He joined the Sacramento District in 2016 and spent six months in Washington, D.C. as the Levy Safety Endowed Chair in 2018 before joining the FRM PCX in January 2021 as a National Technical Specialist in Economics and Risk Analysis. Jesse Morrill Winter, welcome to Inside the Castle. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. That's my pleasure. So Jesse, today you are a nationally recognized specialist in life loss estimation, life risk evaluation, but of course that's not where you started. Back when you joined the Corps as a student, tell me, what was your perception about the possibilities for your career? If I'm being honest, I, I really joined the Corps. It graduated from college a little late with my bachelor's degree. I was 24. I'd taken some time uh, away and uh, it was an opportunity to eat lunch with my dad a couple of days a week. And that's really what, what got me started with the Corps. You know, I didn't have any career aspirations necessarily to join the Corps, but it was a unique opportunity. And they had an opening for an economist, which is, you know, what I studied in school. So I, I was interested and they took me on. And, and because of the kind of shortage at the New England district, I got pretty meaningful work right away. Just what I've seen across the course since joining the Corps, I, I was given maybe a more active role than students are often given. You know, I really didn't ever think of it as a career, if I'm being honest. I really saw it as a chance to get some professional experience. You know, I graduated right around the time of the Great Recession in 2008. I graduated in May of 2009 when a lot of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act funding was being distributed. And one nice thing about that is there was an opportunity to become a Department of the Army intern. So they offered me that slot and it was, you know, I traveled once a month. So it was just kind of an intriguing opportunity. But my perception of kind of my career growth, particularly progression, I would say was 
rather bleak. I just didn't see a lot of upward mobility and I, I didn't see a lot of interesting opportunity more than anything when I really started. I, I kind of felt like, hey, this was this was cool, but I'd like to I'd like to try something else. So yeah, if if, if I'm being honest, I I didn't see much of a future with the core when I first started out. And the DA intern program helped. And in the second year, I said, hey, this is what I'm doing right now in my life. So I want to be good at it. I'm going to make a real effort to become a talented economist in the Corps of Engineers. So I was explicit about the trainings I sought out and, and how I spend my time, particularly in that second year of the DA internship. So from spending time traveling with the DA internship, taking trainings, all the way down to lunches with your dad. Mm-hmm. Tell me, just how intentional were you about not just expanding your skill set, but about growing your professional network? My father worked in a very different part of the organization. He was on the service side of the organization. He was in IT, and this was before ACIT, and, and he did a lot of really cool stuff. So I knew people there from going to, you know, core picnics and stuff from the time I was, you know, very small and catching tennis balls from the pitching machine for a baseball card and all those different things. I certainly had a a little bit of a leg up knowing some people. I think it became pretty clear to people quickly that my dad and I were very different. My dad is quiet, picks his spots. It's very professional, always wore a tie. Not that a tie explicitly correlates with professionalism. I want to make that clear. There's a lot of people wearing ties that that wouldn't describe like my father, but I'm different. You know, I'm more outspoken and pretty quickly, quickly, you know, I became my own person there. And at first, you know, it was just fun meeting new people, getting to work with new people, learning about their backgrounds. I had a couple guys in the group that I was in that were marine biologists. And while I was an intern, they take me out on the boat and stuff like that. So I got to know those guys through that. So just you know, getting to do some different stuff outside of just economics early in my career, dabble in some different things. Through the DA internship, I would say I, I was intentional in my rotations and how I did all that. In the second year, I was more targeted in that intention in that I tried to spend more time talking with senior economists and really analysts and scientists in the organization to learn about what they were doing. And one of those people was Will Lehman at HEC. And at the time he was working on FIA and we, you know, went to a happy hour and, and over a beer chatted a little bit about what I was interested in. And he listened and said, you should come out to HEC for a month. And so I did. That was my first exposure to estimating life loss. And that dramatically changed my career with the core. I was more intentional in that second year, trying to get to know people maybe within the professional umbrella of what I saw as my possibilities at the time. And that was really still largely traditional planning economics, you know, cost benefit analysis, running FDA, things like that. But by being perhaps a little more intentional about getting to know what different social scientists were doing across the organization, I was fortunate enough to get to know Will and get exposed to working with Woody 
Fields, um, who's now with the RMC, and Will Lehman, who's still at HEC, and really start dabbling in life loss and thinking about what sort of factors lead to people losing their lives in floods. And that's when I started to see the core a little differently. Given the the hierarchical structure of an agency like the Corps of Engineers, getting an audience with senior leadership, those difference maker type peoples can be challenging. What advice would you have for, for someone who's looking to get an audience to really be able to show what they can do to folks at the highest level? You know, some things I did early in my career is if I wanted to work with somebody, I would draft an email and I had some people that I respected who are a couple levels above me and I'd ask them to review the message for me before I sent it out, get their feedback. And I would email someone and say, Hey, I'm interested in what you're doing and I want to work with you. Plain and simple. And people are really receptive to that. If you take the initiative to come to somebody, a lot of these people don't have the time. They're quite busy themselves. We all are, you know, to go about outside and, and be looking for, you know, young professional, well, not young professionals, early career professionals who who are interested in trying new things and who are still really looking for their niche and what it is that they're going to do in this pretty large organization. But the most important thing I think is, is being open to how you connect with people. You don't have to drink beer to go to happy hour and spend time with people. You get a break at a training, ask someone to go grab coffee with you, offer to buy them coffee. Coffee is relatively inexpensive. So when you're not making a lot of money, you know, coffee is a good thing to offer to buy somebody, you know, spend a couple bucks, get a few minutes of somebody's time, talk to them, and you've made a personal connection. And personal connections are so valuable in a professional environment. You know, they're not mutually exclusive things. And so, you know, lunch, coffee, happy hour, make yourself available to those things because you, you never know who you might meet. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, someone above you, levels above you. People at your same level may not have had the opportunity to interface with someone above you. And they might be doing some interesting work that you're interested in. You connect with them and maybe down the line, you get to do some work with them or you connect with them and learn about what they're doing that they're interested in and you can bring them in later on. So the advice I would give to people is be open to various ways of connecting with people because those connections are invaluable. The professional equity you build, I would think of it like getting in early on a, a company that goes public in the stock market. You buy when that stock price is still low and at, as it builds, you're just going to continue to see returns year in and year out because you've built this professional network. And I don't want to sound like it's all the stock market example might make people think that you're just looking for a return on an investment of your time. But to some degree, that that's what we're doing in relationships, right? Any relationship. You're investing your time in getting to know someone and learning about them, their likes, their dislikes. And that enables you, you know, to build a great friendship if it's in your personal life, or it enables you to make a meaningful work relationship that benefits you both. And also benefits the organization. And those types of win-wins are much more common if you're open to accessing people in a lot of ways. Yeah, I said at the top of the show in my definition, my personal definition of networking, a part of that is 
actively working to make sure that the right people know who you are and how you can contribute to the mission. So if the desire to contribute is always really at the epicenter of what you're doing, there really can't be anything slimy about that if what you're looking to do is make a contribution and put your best skills and your best self forward for the for the greater good. Completely agree. And that can't be understated. The way to create opportunities for yourself is to raise your hand a lot. If someone asks and you don't know how to do it, that's okay. A lot of us are figuring things out along the way. Our world is ever changing, you know, as we continue to battle the different constructs of what it means to reduce coastal storm risk, flood risk, provide navigable waterways to the nation. You know, it's not a, a set thing. It's a, it's an ever evolving global system of watersheds, you know, so we're constantly trying to figure new things out and there's always new challenges. So if you see an opportunity that excites you, raise your hand. So many of the things I've done in my career have been because I've raised my hand early and often and had opportunities because of it. I, I wouldn't tell you that I'm the smartest economist in the core by any means, I, but I, I am an interested one and, and I, I raised my hand a lot and that served me really well. Let's, let's flip flip us on its head a little bit and talk about maybe some of the pitfalls or mistakes you may have either made yourself or seen other people make who maybe have the technical chops, they have the drive, but they just can't quite get the people part right. What are some mistakes out there you see people make? We work in a large organization with a lot of people with diverse backgrounds, diverse upbringings, and diverse ways of thinking. The biggest shortcoming I've seen from really bright people is the need to be right and the need for their idea to be the accepted idea amongst a larger group. No one grows if we all agree with one person. No good idea is a perfect idea. The value of a good idea is coming up with it and then getting challenged by it along the way in the same way you would with the scientific method or something like that, you know, testing it, getting feedback and everything like that. Don't need to be right. And don't be afraid to admit when you're wrong. I've had to raise my hand before in big groups and say, yeah, I screwed up. We can't use those numbers. That's not a fun thing to do. But if I hadn't done that, we might have come up with a way to reduce risk at a dam that was ultimately not a great investment decision. So don't always need to be right. Certainly don't be afraid to admit when you're wrong. And, and the last thing I could add to that is don't be personally tied to your work. If someone's giving you review comments or feedback, we don't always deliver those in a way that lands nicely, right? In a perfect world, we'd all communicate in a way that everyone was looking at this objectively. They're providing me responses. This isn't a personal affront. We have various levels of how connected we are to our work at a personal level, where if you're really connected to it personally and someone criticizes it, that can feel like a personal insult or an attack. That's a, a real challenge. If you find yourself being like that or having those types of reactions, 
take a step back, take a deep breath, think through it. Don't send that email yet and, and respond later and, and learn how to just accept commentary for what it is. The, the goal here is, is never about one individual. It's about all of us getting to a decision that improves society in some fashion, right? That's what I would say the biggest shortcomings are that I've seen in my career. I think I could maybe sum that up with a talking about humility or, or lack of humility. And you talk about those moments where you have to come in hat in hand and admit that you'd done something wrong. I found personally that that can do wonders to build that professional capital you talked about, that you can show that humility to say, yeah, I was wrong or that to take constructive feedback and, and spin it to a positive and, and don't send that email yet. I wrote that down. That's great. Write up that email, get all, get it all out, get the poison out, but don't send it. That can be a powerful exercise in itself. I love that. It, it really can. So don't fill out the two line or the CC line, just write it out, go take a walk <laughs> and then come back to it later. And, and that's a valuable exercise. And I completely agree. You're spot on humility and openness to hear other people's ideas being someone that other people want to work with is so important, you know, and, and I've seen really bright people in our organization get hurt because they become someone who's known rather widely as, as being a, a challenging person to work with. And people will try to avoid working with that person, you know, right or wrong. But if you're, if you're someone who can, participate as part of a group, contribute, remain humble, offer good suggestions. People will want to work with you. So I want to talk a little bit about maybe a specific instance, and hopefully the folks out there listening can see themselves in this story. That's the purpose of this question is for folks to really see how opportunities can arise. And Jesse, the saying goes that luck is where preparation meets opportunity. So I'd like you to tell us about a time when an opportunity arose that you were prepared to seize and tell us how your professional network played into that preparation. There's two experiences and I'll briefly touch on each of them that were profound for me in my career. One of them was I spent a couple years after my DA internship Will Lehman offered to recommend me to the Mapping Modeling Consequences Production Center. I love that idea. Keep doing this life loss stuff. About six months later, I met Tim Smith and I sent him an email and said, Hey, I'd love to work with you. It's one of those times I sent an email. I spent the next six months, you know, 2012, learning the ropes, dabbling in my own projects. And then 2013, all I did was crank out damn breach models. That was probably 80 to 90% of my time. The luck part was that they needed somebody to go to Brazil to work with the National Water Agency in Brazil. Tim Smith mentioned that, and I said, yes, yes, I would love to do that. And I got to go to Brazil for a week and, and you know, work with people in Brazil who care about a lot of the same things we care about in, in USACE. And it was, you know, there was no blueprint for it. So it was just, such a fortuitous thing that I, that that opportunity fell into my lap and I was able to kind of gathered up the information there was about FIA, built my own presentations, put together some workshops and everything like that. And then the, the next one, I'd probably 
tell you this, if I had to say, what's the thing you've done in your career that you enjoyed the most? I would probably say this. It was after Hurricane Maria, late in 2017, after Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria. On the island of Puerto Rico, there was quite a bit of devastation, right? Post-Maria. I had travel plans in early January. It was three days before Christmas. And I got a call from the Jacksonville District cadre lead, John Kendall. Awesome cadre lead, really bright engineer um, and risk practitioner. And he said, we don't have the expertise on the cadre to facilitate uh, consequences elicitation, you know, the Maletti and Sorensen interview schedule. He said, I heard that you had that expertise. Can you come to Puerto Rico in a couple of weeks? And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll do it. You know, I, my Spanish is, is clunky at best. My, my wife's fluent, but you know, the possibility to work with a group of people who were taking a real look at the systems they had in place to respond to a storm like that immediately after the disaster was such an exciting opportunity. You know, the preparation component was really just being involved and continuing to work and develop how we evaluate life loss in, in USACE and, you know, doing an RMC developmental assignment prior to that. All that preparation helped me so that when that opportunity came up, I was able to say yes. And I got to spend a day talking to emergency managers and responders downstream of Guajataca Dam, which is on the northwestern part of, of Puerto Rico. And it had a spillway erosion event. And it was just, it was such a rewarding experience to get to, to work with those people. I came back and I told Jason Needham at the RMC, I was like, hey, this is what I want to do for my, with my career. Just keep sending me out on stuff like this. In a lot of ways, I got to do quite a bit more of that um, before taking the, the job I have now. Jesse and I can see each other on video here. Jesse, I get to see your, your facial expression changed as you're telling that story. You're, you're just really lighting up. I can tell this really does mean a lot to you. So appreciate you sharing that story. A yeah. couple, couple final questions here. And we, we got to touch on the current work environment, which is overwhelmingly virtual. So mm -hmm. the opportunities for, for networking and for personal connections, I don't want to say they've disappeared, but they've certainly changed a lot since you started with the core. So I, I'd really love to pick your brain a little bit about how we can best make those meaningful connections in the virtual environment. It's really not the same. Those days in the office where you can just go grab lunch with someone or go grab coffee, like I was suggesting, or go to happy hour. It's harder to find those opportunities now. If I were starting with the core today, you know, I'm someone who likes to be around people talk with people, get to know people, hear their story. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate in the context of networking that that's all stuff I really enjoy. It's natural for me to want to be in those environments. And it's not something that I have to psych myself up to go do this thing that maybe will be out of my comfort zone. And that's where I think we are now is asking a lot of people to really reimagine how we get to know people. The advantages of being virtual, if before I met someone over coffee and then emailed them after to say, hey, I'd love to work with you, how do you create that coffee outing in a virtual environment? That's not terribly easy, but I would do exactly that. 
I would schedule 15 minutes with somebody. Can we have coffee and just chat? I'm interested in what you're doing. That's what I would do. I've had people reach out to me to do that. I think a lot of us who may no longer be part of the new generation of, of Corps of Engineers professionals and are in more, more senior positions now or mid-level positions are all, would all be really open to something like that. You know, if, if anyone were to reach out to me and ask, and I've had a couple people do it, reach out to me and just say, hey, I'd love to catch up. We found time on each other's calendars and, and we've done it. But it's a step further, right? You can't walk over to someone's desk and ask or you know, get dragged out to lunch with a group of people. You need to create that interaction now. Whereas before it could have happened more organically, there's more impetus on early career professionals and, and new professionals within our agency to really put themselves out there by reaching out to people and wanting to get to know them. I think there's a tremendous opportunity for some of the organizations that we have, you know, like the Early Career Network, to create these virtual networking opportunities, you know. But also, if you ever see a group that's doing something that you're interested in, or if there's something that you know you might be interested in, highly encourage you to reach out. It is a challenge. You have to initiate it yourself. Those organic opportunities, like being in the same place for a training or something like that, really aren't available anymore. So you, you kind of have to create that. And that adds a layer. It's so easy to just log in in the morning virtually, focus on the stuff you have to get done for the day, and then log off. But if I were starting out today, I would part of every day for me would be thinking about how I could connect with people. You know, anything you're doing in that, you, you need to have intentions, right? Goals are outcomes, intentions are how you get there. What would it be like for me to have this great professional network, even though I'm working in this virtual environment? Well, probably be pretty great. Imagine all these different things I could do. All right. So I'm going to be intentional about reaching out to one person a week and trying to set something up. I'm going to be intentional about something like that. And that's how you'd have to do it from my perspective. There's not an easy button to, to say that maybe when I was coming up there, there was, you know, the DA internship allowed me to travel a lot, which put me in rooms with a lot of different people. And I took advantage of those opportunities to get to know people. It wasn't until later on in my career that I really understood the value of, of doing all of those things. Well, you make an interesting point talking about reaching out, scheduling 15 minutes for a virtual coffee. And now I'm, I'm coming at this from the perspective of someone who's maybe early career or new to the core, and they've literally never met maybe any of their colleagues, much less any of these senior leaders who they may be trying to get the attention of. But what, where the silver lining exists in that is it makes it a lot easier to say yes to a 15 minute virtual coffee date, as opposed to someone who maybe wants to take you out to lunch or this, or, or to even to go out to regular coffee. Cause a 15 minute coffee date is really an hour coffee date. We know that you got to get there. You got to settle in, you got to pay the bill, but just say, hey, I want 15 minutes. It's going to take exactly 15 minutes. And then the minute we hang up, you can go back to doing whatever you were doing before. It's a lot easier to get those senior leaders or, or anyone you want to connect with for that matter to say yes to that conversation. So I appreciate you. You're calling that out. To your point about 
you know, just starting out and not, not really knowing, Hey, where do I look to find these people? What's the first domino I have to topple? You're going to get put on various distribution lists, wherever you start. If you're in engineering, if you're in planning, you'll get the community of practice emails, but you also will be invited to different events. There's a lot of interesting stuff that people are doing. And a lot of times, you know, some of them are monthly, there's different working groups out there. If you participate in those, there's going to be a lot of folks on those calls. And some of those presentations, you know, they might be passively interesting to you, but there might be a slide in there that gets at something that's really interesting to you. That's a way to start building the, hey, who do I contact to talk about this thing? And if someone's got it in a slide presentation, you can follow up and start from there. And that could lead to a conversation with someone, which could lead to some sort of virtual appointment where you're supporting a group that's doing work that's really interesting to you early in your career. And say, you know, maybe it's not full-time, but say it's 50% of your time. And you work with them, you take on some tasks, you knock them out. Suddenly there's more work coming for you and it's funded. That's going to lead to a lot of support from people above you because you're providing for yourself. Once you start doing that, it's kind of like kicking a snowball downhill. It's just going to keep building on itself for you. So participate, be an active participant in these group things that are offered virtually. Again, it comes back to contribution. You contribute to those conversations and reaching out to people, letting them know that you want to be involved in what they're working. And that is pretty powerful when you think about it and maybe hard for someone early in their career to put themselves in the shoes of someone who's in a leadership position. But if you imagine that someone's reaching out to you because they're interested in you and what you're doing, you're most likely going to give that person at very least give them a 15 minute coffee date. Taking that initiative first for me now where I am in my career, if someone will reach out to me and says, Hey, I'm interested in this work. And I say, okay, here's some material. Also, I could use your help with this. They get into the material and they get something done immediately. That becomes someone like, Oh, this is someone I can rely on to get things. And they're on a list of people that I know I can go to, to get stuff done. And all of a sudden I see these different things, you know, someone at my level now, you know, I've done with the core for 13 and a half years, someone at my level now sees stuff that maybe they don't. And I'm thinking, Hey, I know that this one person got this thing done. They mentioned being interested in some other stuff. I'm going to reach out to them to see if they have availability. Those things, they all start to connect themselves. It's like, you know, it's like a never ending decision tree, if you will, you know, where it just continues to grow. You might start with single plant, but you just keep getting all these different branches that come off of it and all those branches start to bear fruit. Suddenly you're turning away opportunities and you're getting to know a lot of people just by taking initiative, showing up and making yourself available. Well, someday when there's a rainy day, Jesse, and we had a heck of a rainy last couple of days here in Sacramento, you sit down with a big piece of paper and you can find and see if you can sketch out that, that influence tree <laughs> that, that you planted back as a student intern before you rose through the ranks to a GS-14 with the FRMPCX. I'd like to see that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in seeing what that looks like too. Well, final question, Jesse, here before we wrap up, we, we open up the, the conversation talking about what your perspective was on the front end of your career. How has that perspective evolved and changed over the years? And where does it sit right now? Your perspective on the opportunities for someone joining the Corps of Engineers. The great surprise for me in my career with the Corps is how raising your hand a lot and 
getting to know people and doing different work can continue to be exciting, even on the days where it's frustrating, you know, and there are those days. My perspective now is you can create opportunities for yourself. You can hear no, but no is a, is a temporary thing. Or I think of no as a temporary thing. You might hear no three times before you hear yes. Doesn't mean you should stop asking. My perception is, is you can really create unique and powerful opportunities for yourself in this organization. You know, you could look at the landscape of the professional, you know, the, the job market across the US. When you think about compensation, you know, not all decisions in life are monetary. We're generally well-compensated professionals, but there's a lot of components of our compensation that don't show up in your paycheck. I became a dad a year ago, and the support I've received you know, when I was working with you at the Sacramento District and, and for you, you were my supervisor, to now being a parent and focusing on my career is, I can't tell you how much it's meant to me and my family share something personal. My daughter had to have surgery four months after she was born. And, you know, knowing that she was taken care of was, was, you know, it's one less thing for a parent to worry about. So my perspective is, you know, looking at it when I was a 23, 24 year old and saying, I'm not going to be doing this for very long to where I am now. I look back and I'm able to say, I've been able to do some pretty cool stuff in my career. I've been able to work with Aaron Schlein and see all the cool stuff that he does and how he sees flood risk management differently than I think other people do and how he sees growing an organization and, and what business development looks like in a different way. You know, to me, it all comes back to people, the people we're working for and the people we're working with. While the structure of our organization compels us to put people in job series and things like that, you are what you do, not what your position description says. What you do is very much up to you and how you spend your time is very much up to you. If you're willing to seek out opportunities and raise your hand, you're going to be really surprised about the things that you're exposed to, the opportunities that become available to you, the places you'll go, both literally like Brazil and Puerto Rico. I've been to Amsterdam all work trips, but also the places that you'll go just professionally, the things that you'll get to do. You know, I haven't loved my job every step of the way. You know, there are days where I've had crises of faith where I, you know, are we doing the best thing we can do for, for people? But I get to think about that. I get to think about if, if we are, and then I get to offer ideas about why there might be better ways. It's been, a, it's been a pleasant surprise. My career with the Corps of Engineers has been a pleasant surprise. If you're open to different opportunities and getting to know different people, I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised too. Your job is what you do, not your position description. I, it just, that's made me smile thinking about what we're doing right here in this moment. I'm a section chief in the economic section of Planning Division Sacramento, and yet here I am interviewing you on a podcast. Why? Because that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I'm doing. That's right. Great example. 
And after this, I'm going to have a little lunch and then go back to being a section chief. (laughs) Well, Jesse, man, it's really been a pleasure. Thanks so much for sharing, for opening up uh, to the audience here, sharing your journey. And hopefully folks out there had a lot to take away. And to all the listeners out there, we want to hear from you about the topics that you want to learn about next. And until then, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks, Jesse. Take care. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.